Manamana. 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 Hello and welcome to Old Lockdown How We Laugh with today's special guest Colin Etches from Nottingham who fronts the Sounds Proper Comedy uh, Zoom show has been going since, since January? Yeah, end of February pretty much we've done 10 shows Well I mean this, we, all know, this week. <laughs> we all know that, um, that that last lockdown was a time limbo so you say February, I'm sure it started January, I'm sure it's somewhere in between. <laughs> but um, it's been going from strength to strength recently, um, quite a lot of guests, loads and loads of really good comics, and in fact, not quite beaten night, Line of Duty in the ratings the other night, but actually get a massive audience despite Line of Duty being on. Yeah, I mean, we almost hit 50 this weekend. Um, oh, that's good. We've been flirting around sort of 35 for the last few weeks, and We've been giving that extra push. You know what it's like trying to fill a, a yeah. free gig on the internet. Sometimes it's tough, but we've just been pushing it hard, yeah. you know, and getting good acts, pro comics, semi-pro comics, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of good acts in your lineup. I mean, a lot yeah, of I mean, different guest hosts and things like that as well. You've got Ludna Kerr coming yeah, up I mean, and Scottish Full Settle. Sock Puppet oh, Theatre. They're co-hosting with me next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've actually, do you know, I've actually done, I've not gigged with them yet. I've done a couple of gigs with them, and I thought with my co-host Rachel being away, I invited Lubna Kerr. She's co-hosting with us this week, and then the the, the Falsetto Sock Puppet Theatre, which you know it should be fun to host with a pair of socks. It should be a laugh, shouldn't it? I've, yeah, man. Yeah, I've not actually gigged with Lubna um, online, but I, the last night that I was doing live comedy, I was in Edinburgh with her. Yeah, and we were both doing Laugh for Change. Yeah. And I swear to God, out of about six acts, there was about two laughs. Really? Yeah, about six. It was a student pub, and it was it was like a charity night thing, and it was it was fucking brutal. You see, a lot of experienced comics say there's no such thing as a duff audience, but if you've got six comics and no one's laughing, yeah, then fortunately, I mean, to... I was I was fourth up, so I knew I knew what was coming. But yeah. even then, I wasn't I wasn't ready for it, you know, like yeah. But yeah. it was um, it was a little, a little pub in Edinburgh, but it was um, I don't think I actually caught Ludna's set that night because I had to. I went to another gig, but I went to another gig and I actually smashed that one. So that was my last ever appearance. Yeah. On stage until until question mark just now. Yeah. Have you got anything planned? I've got a couple of things um planned, but the, I, I've noticed there's a, there's a lot of anxiety and borderline desperation and Facebook yeah. posts and things like that among comics just now. I mean, where um. Where at Sandford, we're staying and we're, we're going to keep the Sunday show going. We're going to continue beyond lockdown because I think I think the smartest move we've made was making Sunday night hours because yeah. Sunday night, you've got people that have got work Monday, school for kids. You know, I think we can always compete with television. Yeah. Um, so for us, we're looking at more of a hybrid model going forward with some live stuff and the Zoom stuff. And yeah. I think that's the way forward. I definitely, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how these, some of these hybrid models will work because there's some amazing comedians from other countries that I'd like to see yeah. a Scottish audience react to. Yeah. No? I mean, that's another option that I've not even thought about yet, is the option that you can still have comics performing on Zoom, but into a club. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, seen, know, I mean, a... I've, I've seen that happen. Not actually attended one, but I've seen people do that. Juliana Hing was doing that um, last year. I don't know if she's still doing it. Are they yeah. still doing it? But... Um, and there's Michael Heard and Shanghai was doing it as well, um, and a yeah. couple of people in America. 
I've, I've toyed with that format, so I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how workable it is. I hope it's, I hope it's as good as we feel it has potential. Yeah, I mean, I think there'll definitely be an international Zoom circuit. You know, oh, yeah, that's already establishing itself. I mean, I do, a, I did a show in India um, not too long ago called the Thirst Trap, and it's, uh, it's a sex joke focused <laughs> show in in a, in repressed India. You know, and um, and um, they. They get hundred. They get hundred in their room. When somebody drops off, a new person takes up the space. You know yeah. what I mean. So I think there's a lot of people now that get their comedy on Zoom. They never went yeah. to a club before lockdown. They're probably not going to go to one after. But all the big promoters are vacating the area and and kind of leaving them customers hanging. Yeah. And I think that's our um, that's our aim is to say if you want to continue getting your comedy on Zoom, yeah. then we'll do the free gig on Sunday. And we'll put on some pro comics every now and again, you know. Well, I mean, it's I, I remember like early on back last year, somebody in one of those forum fucking arguments. Um, I don't know what forum, don't know what person, so it doesn't matter. But the big argument was it's only one notch above like rehearsing in the mirror, you know, Zoom. And I'm like, well, yeah. why the fuck would we rehearse in the mirror anymore then? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we kind of tell comics that we don't really want to hear any jokes about how Zoom is second rate because we don't believe yeah. it is. We just believe it's an alternative. You know, we well, have a lot. Of, we have disabled people in our audience, you know, that can't go to clubs. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. that you know, we have com we have comics that perhaps live out in the middle of nowhere. There's one comedy night every three months, and they've got to drive thirty miles to it. You know, so I think there's definitely a a place for it. And I've certainly heard pro comics saying that their next tours will include at least one Zoom show. Yeah. You know, so I think... Is that, to be honest with you, I've always kind of struggled with attitudes in comedy and things like that anyway, but it's been a lot of fun watching people who were totally anti-Zoom, like this time last year, one by one fall to the online gigs. <laughs> and it's like, but is this, was, this not, was this not beneath you last month, you motherfucker? Yeah. What the hell, man? Like... I mean, we've had comics come to us that haven't done a Zoom gig at all. Their first experience of a Zoom gig, or they've done one really bad one. Yeah. And they've thought, bollocks to that, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And 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 then they've come and done ours. And you know, you know how it is, man. We run a really nice ship. The audience are lovely. We interact with them. It's a little, it's a nice little family gig, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, man. And it's if it keeps building up audience and it's your You'd be, you'd be mad to stop it for now, you know? I think so. And it's a feeder. I think for our live gigs, what, we, what we're what we able to do then is tell people, look, you do the Zoom gig. We like what you do. Yeah. You'll, you'll get you'll get a look in at the live stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's a way of yeah. developing acts as, as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, as a comic, why would I go to a Drizzly pub on a Tuesday night to practice my show pre-Edinburgh or something when I know I can contact Colin and he's got an audience of 50 to 60 good comedy fans and I can do my show to them, you know, so. I think, I, mean, I, I do think that, I mean, it, it is missing the, the feeling of people being in the room. You're actually yeah. in the same room. Like, I mean, I I, 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 I I had so many episodes of this podcast where it literally I was saying the same thing about Zoom over and over, yeah. how, how it's great comics connecting and it's good to still be able to practice and it's good to have little family gigs and all yeah. of that stuff. But I, I get so bored of seeing the same shit over and over. I got the guy from school. Sorry, Jimmy. Have you done a gig in front of an audience of a hundred though on Zoom? 
where the, yeah, where I've, done, I've, done, I've done I've done all types of gigs. Like seriously, I've done you know d- where where the mics are off, and yeah. you can you know. No, the, I'm the, not. The I'm, not in listen, India was, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to downplay the concept, but what I done was oh. I had I got the guys from Scott Roast on. Yeah. Basically, to slag me for doing Zoom gigs because <laughs> they're, they're totally against it, and a lot. I mean, a lot of the points that they raised are genuine, but I think for, for the time that they started up they're amazing and it's, it's great that they're going to continue and things like that but I don't think it's any substitute for a, for an actual room where people can laugh at actual, you can actually feel the laughter there's a different there's a different I think there's just an, vibration it's an alternative in there. for yeah. me I don't think we should view it as second best I think we should yeah. just view it as another medium oh you totally know? absolutely you know, I mean and, my, and, entire, my entire set like shifted towards being focused for Zoom yeah you know so I, I'm kind of worried about actually getting back on stage now and then like Maybe I'll, maybe I'll launch into a joke that only works on Zoom, and I'm like, "Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, that's right." Like, I, I don't look like a, I don't look like a hostage standing here on the yeah. stage, or maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> but I've never performed on stage, right? I've only ever performed on Zoom. Do you know what I mean? And and what what I've found, what I what what pro comics have said that I've spoke to about this is that if you can do Zoom, it'll make you a better comic on stage. Because because of Zoom and the delay, you've got to wait for the laugh. Yeah. And once you take that waiting for the laugh and translate on that onto stage, you'll burn through less material. You'll you'll do you know what I mean? And they so I think Zoom's place is development. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Under eighteens nights that are safe with no alcohol, where parents can be there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? People that have got careers that are good comics, but. They're never going to give up their career to be comics. There's a there's a room for it, I think. Definitely. Well, I mean, an issue that's came up a couple of times in the podcast with previous guests um, is, is 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 safety, safety in late night venues and things like that. Develop as a comic. So what you're talking about is absolutely perfect for people to prove that they have the talent before they're dismissed and and, and face and and just run. Yeah run into the type of situation that you'd, you'd need to run into if you really want to be a comedian, you know? And as well, if you offer progression, Jimmy, if we're saying to comics, look, you can you can come and come and do a Zoom gig so we can have a look at you. You know what I mean? And they can see that there's a progression from doing five minutes to seven to ten to getting a live gig. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it's, it's about development. I think that's Zoom's place in comedy. Yeah. It's, you know, developing acts. I mean, I do. I definitely think that there's going to be more like sort of audition type things with Zoom. Oh, of course. Like people, yeah. people from another uh, city or country will be saying, like, "Can we see you do your set?" You know, and open up a Zoom room for it. I mean, there's I mean, been quite a lot. No, go on. You finish. There's been quite a lot of kind of flash writing groups like happening, things like that as well, where you just like sort of contact a couple of people, going up got a couple of joke ideas, what you're doing, and then the five of you just jump in and try out some jokes and things, you know. And that's that. That is something that you couldn't have done before really unless you were going to use Skype or whatever, you know? I mean, uh, it's, been, it's, you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought of it before, I mean, no. you know. There's been a splinter group off of Sounds Proper um called All Over the Place and we're a bunch of writers that are writing sketches. Right. Um and we're right we're all over the place. We quite literally are. There's a guy in Italy, we're all scattered across the UK and um we've been writing sketches and producing them but using Zoom as the medium for recording. Right. You know, so so zooms the the, the the studio um so yeah just watch this space for that because that that will all be coming quite is that soon. the one it was it was advertised for the saturday morning yeah no it was no. the saturday morning yeah 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 yeah, yeah. We, we we 
we left the advert up and we've got, there's about 10 of us, I think. Um, and as I say, we've got some stuff produced and ready to release. We're just not quite at, at, at the release date stage yet. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm quietly pleased, quietly pleased with the, with the, with the outcome of it. Um, and I think that's the thing that's been good about Zoom is the networking. I have a network that I never could have hoped yeah. to have achieved in the real yeah. world. And I'm sure you, you do yourself, Jimmy. I've, you know? added, I've added like 1,300 people in my Facebook now. Like every time yeah. I do a gig, I get about 15 friend requests and I'm yeah. starting to wonder where they're coming from. I like, started a Facebook page for myself, a comedy page. This weekend, it's already up to 100. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? We couldn't have... We couldn't have not to mention, I've had 25 hours stage time in the last six, seven months. Yeah. I couldn't have got that out in the real world. Yeah. You know, See, I, so got, I, I, got, I got to a stage about January where I really started needing to take a break and then I kept getting gigs offered. And I, I was yeah. like, no, I need I need to take a break. I need to take my head out of the comedy headspace and stuff. And it's only, it's only been since, um, like, in mid, the middle of April, yeah. I've decided, right, no gigs. All I've been doing, all I've been doing stuff for Backbone and for lockdown. And um, it's it's kind of, it's been good. It's been good getting a little break. But actually, my first gig back is for you next next Sunday, uh, next Sunday on the 16th. Yeah. So it, it would have been the 23rd. So you actually cut my holiday short, motherfucker. I did. That was, <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what happened? Because I'm sure it's going to come up at some point during the gig. We booked, uh, we've got, we booked charity gig and the date was supposed to be the 16th. Yeah. Um, and when we contacted Rosie Jones to ask her to do the 16th, she said, I can't do the 16th, but I can do the 23rd. Well, I'd already booked a full bill for the 23rd. Yeah. Luckily enough, you were all really nice about it. And I didn't lose one <laughs> act and everybody went back a week. It was it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the 16th. I can't remember who's playing on the 16th. I should know, really. The Scottish Pulse Settle Puppets Theatre. They're my, they're, they're my co-host. The, the, uh, I've never co-hosted with a pair yeah, of socks yeah. before. <laughs> but um, Sunday, we've got a great show. We've got Don Biswas. Um, well, this this will be Sunday past because it won't, this, this won't come out until... Yeah, that was him. now. Right. Yeah. Then that's it's 16th. okay. Just, just like any other area of lockdown, time works funny here. Yeah, no, that's fine. Then I'd better look. I can't remember who's on the 16th. I'd better have a look, hadn't I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't forget. But fuck everybody else. Just don't forget me. Yeah, no, you're definitely playing. You're definitely playing. Um, I should have had my folder in here with me because I'm old school, you know, Jimmy, as well. You know, with all this data stuff and I keep my gigs in a folder on pieces of paper. Hey, well. You know, I'm a bit of, a, bit of an old school guy, you know. <coughs> But um, no, it's, it's 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 been it's been great, like been able to meet people across across the world and things, and been able to do these gigs and just just, just doing this podcast. I absolutely love doing this podcast. But I, I've got serious anxiety about things coming back because nobody seems to know exactly how it's going to work. It, it, it feels like in the past couple of weeks there's been this idea that lockdown's over, and it's kind of doesn't seem to fit the narrative that we've had so far, you know. I've been agoraphobic myself, Jimmy. I've been out into the city a couple of times and I've thought, yeah, I don't like this very much. Yeah, the last... stay the fuck away, do you know what I mean? Just 
spent the last six months dying to f- see people, and then within the first five people you see, you go, that's right, they're all fucking assholes. I forgot about that. <laughs> I wanted to go in a, a, a certain shop that we won't mention because I wanted to get some trousers because I've not bought any trousers and I need some desperate. And I looked at the shop and I looked at the queue and I thought, oh, well, I'll wear trousers of the mind, bugger it, do you know? Now <laughs> <laughs> I've got a good dressing gown at home. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do a pinch. <laughs> Just and the idea of going and sitting down and eating, man, I'm I'm really quite yeah, yeah, I'm a bit disturbed about that at the moment, but it'll get better, I'm sure. Yeah, my folder's found its way to the sofa. Wow, like, man, how did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Just like magic, man. Just like magic. Do you know what? It's an awesome show, Jimmy, isn't it? Cool, man. Uh, Heidi Reagan. Do you know Heidi Reagan? I've seen the name. Radio 4, um, TV, very, very talented young lady. Uh, we're doing her a favour. She's got some Radio 4 stuff next month. And I, a friend of mine said, can you give her a couple of gigs so she can get ready? And, you know, we're, we're over the moon to have her. So to be playing with Heidi is quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Hello, yours, if you know him, Stephen. Do you know Stephen Youngson? Stephen Youngson, yeah, yeah. Is that in the 16th or the 20th? The 23rd? That's the 16th. That's that's the yeah. one you're on with. Um, there's a Dutch comic called Carly Blair. Well, she's not Dutch, but she's she's in the she's in the Netherlands. Yeah. Erin um, Benny Shakes is on that. that oh, that brilliant! Cool. Yeah, Benny's on with you. Um, Thomas Craven. Do you know him? One line comic. I know Thomas Craven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a, a really nice comic from America, a girl called Alton Brewer. She did she did a gig for us a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, a few weeks ago. Erin Crouch, who is a professional yeah, comic. Yeah, from Germany. Yeah, yeah. Based yeah. in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Christine Knowlton. Yeah, I know Christine. Again, well, yeah. an American comic. Um we like the American comics. We get one or two from time to time. Yeah, man. that's an awesome lineup. That is. Yeah, it's you know, good. Uh, but and and of course yourself, my friend. Yeah, I know. And it'll be my first gig for a month. So. First gig for a month. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been doing some writing group stuff, but apart from that, I've not yeah. gigged for a month. Yeah. Do you I write online was... then as well. Sorry. Writing on Zoom. Yeah, Are yeah. Writing on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been doing stuff for Backbone. It's a. Just a kind of writing group, uh, start up and then do the gig for it after a few weeks. Yeah. And um, I've been doing this, but I've, I've deliberately not done any Zoom gigs for like the past few weeks and the next couple of weeks coming up. Yeah, so just, I, did just... one. I, I did one. I did my own gig on Saturday. We had guest hosts cool. on Sunday and I did 10 minutes. And I don't mind saying I on a really strong bill, I was quite pleased. Cool. It was all new material as well. Cool. Um, which is always nice, um, but yeah, I don't. I'm not performing as much as I'd like. I'd do five mics a week if I could find the time. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't know, man. I. I, I don't. I don't like doing too many gigs. You know. Nope. It's um. I don't know. I think as long as you can exercise the muscle, you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And with new material and stuff as well, like because my set's so structured. I, I like putting new things in the set, but re- retaining yeah. the structure. Yeah. Because the, the most important thing to me, doesn't matter if other comedians have heard it, what matters to me is what I say has to be funny. Yeah. 
Because you would you would not believe the amount of I, the only time I've ever sweated on stage, like I actually burst into sweat and get fearful, is because I didn't have faith in the things that I was saying. Yeah, you've got to have faith in the material, man. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean really I do yeah. I do I do have faith in my jokes and things like that, but I I don't I just could not I couldn't see myself standing doing ten minutes of jokes I've never told before, and yeah. I I know that's maybe a failing or whatever, and you know maybe I should learn to be able to do that. Yeah. Too, too much new material stuff I, I see people saying things that they hope is going to be funny and it's like if, yeah. if, if you hope it's going to be funny it's not going to be funny I mean I wouldn't take anything on stage that I've not worked in terms yeah. of really worked it you know I, I, my writing process I don't know about you but I start with a punchline and I, and I backwards engineer it I know or maybe not even a punchline I just know where I want to be yeah, you know what I mean, and 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 then I and then I work backwards. You know what I mean. And, and, but also for me as a comic, I'm a performance comic. So my, if you read my material dry, some of it's not that funny. What's funny yeah, is it's, it's, my yeah. my agitation or my level of happiness or whatever emotion I need is what adds to the humour. Yeah. Uh, but I love the writing process. I just adore yeah. it. Well, I, I mean, really a lot of my jokes gonna come out of natural conversation anyway i've got a joke that's became one of my favorite jokes about gaslighting yeah <laughs> and it's like i say that my ex was into steampunk which is probably how she became such an effective gaslighter <laughs> like and that actually happened right because my friend was telling me that my ex was gaslighting me right and she's like she's gaslighting you and i immediately texted back it's probably all that steampunk <laughs> And then, then from there, yeah. that 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 joke took on many different forms. Yeah. But it all goes back to my friend telling me that somebody was gaslighting me. Me not actually fully realizing what gaslighting was at the time and shooting back steampunk. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's kind of the process for a lot of my jokes. I, I thought of a joke. Um, I thought of a joke. Sam, I'm always on Facebook. And people are always kind of slagging me off for how much Facebook I use and things like that. And I'm like, I don't want to blow more on trumpet. Like, but. It'd be weird to ask to use anyone else's, <laughs> and then it's like so. I'm kind, I'm kind, I'm kind, I'm kind out of options. So I guess I'll never be a jazz player. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm a storyteller, you know, I I build yeah. a story up to make a point that I've got to make. Or and the other thing is, I'm a bit of an arsehole when it comes to semantics. I really want people just to say what they mean, and that that is kind of a string through my entire comedy. So I tell a joke about if governments wanted kids to stop taking drugs then they'd they'd call them something that sounds less cold you know what i mean because heroin cocaine and they've got a sound cool if you called yeah. them bleeding from the nose barely conscious and vomiting or three hour <laughs> high and a four day come down that's how you stop kids taking drugs do you know what i mean <laughs> and it's it, that but that's what i do that's a string through i i make observations on stuff and you know, gently bash it with a thesaurus. Because <laughs> I think that's what most people need, a thesaurus. Mm. They need to check the words that they're using. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've seen that kind of joke writing where people are getting out dictionaries and thesauruses and looking for things things that rhyme and stuff like that. And it, it doesn't appeal to me. I mean, I, 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 can, I can laugh at somebody that, that constructs jokes that way. There's loads of good joke writers that do stuff like that that way. But yeah. to me, everything comes from the emotional honesty. Yeah. And... <sighs> To, to, to be truly emotionally honest, you have to be vulnerable, and to be vulnerable, you're weak. So yeah. it's 
being a good comedian and surviving in a comedy scene are fucking almost at odds with each other at all times. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's a vulnerability to it. Yeah. And people and people also mistake a... that. People people mistake that emotional honesty and vulnerability for weakness. So think they can fuck yeah. with you because that's how we are as cutthroat comedians or whatever, you know? And you're just like, come on, man, all I want to do is get to some fucking truth here. Fuck you. Well, and I think many years ago, I was told by someone before I started doing comedy. I mean, I've been a broadcaster and musician for years, but the, somebody said to me, they said, Colin, you're at your funniest when you're just being you. You're at your funniest when you're just responding to stuff that you're talking about. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I think that a lot of comedians forget that, you know, and yeah. I accept that there are, there are character comedians and that's fair enough. But for me, my favourite comics are them that, that that reveal a bit of themselves on stage. Yeah, do you know what I mean? They 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 they're not hiding behind a, a rough exterior, or you know, because Jimmy Carr, great comic, but what? How much do we actually know about him? That he's a great about, comic. That's <laughs> about. You know what I mean, it, yeah, you know, it, it's. Yeah. Whereas I've always gravitated towards comics that like. For me, my favourite comic is James Acaster by a country mile. Yeah. Because he gives you everything in a performance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a masterclass. The four shows of his on uh, on Netflix, just he, he, just a masterclass. Uh, I think I think as well, there's a there's a tendency these days to dissect other comedians and, and especially like current comedians are like who's good in the circuit and stuff like that and it's all geared towards the club thing mm. and we're, we're seeing far less of people at James Acaster and like Richard Pryor or fucking like George Carlin or Chris Rock and fucking Doug Stanhope and all these people who actually completely live on emotional honesty you know and I, I can always name drop those same comedians but to me once once you've got that part of it that's all you need to be getting going on when once, once you've got a couple of good comedians and know the form then you're free to experiment after that, you know? Yeah. George Carlin's my absolute hero, man. Yeah. I think, not 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 just because he was a good comic, but that man survived for five decades in comedy. There's yeah. a man that saw comedy change. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Survived five decades in it, you know, just wow. And it, it, that's, that, that's the beauty of a, a, a comedy as well. Like watching somebody like, watching those acts, because we, 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 we're now free to, look at their entire acts as they evolved. Yeah. And you realise that comedy is something that you can grow gracefully in. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's, yeah. an art that, it's an art that can change with you. It's, and you, it's, can it's, take it's, up, you can take it up in your 40s and become successful, as Mickey Flanagan proved. Yeah. He, was still, he wasn't even a comic at 41. Yeah. You know, playing Wembley by the time he was 50. Yeah, man. And you don't necessarily have to be young and good-looking. Totally. Well, you, you do. If, you, you do if you want to go through some of the established droughts, but you know, like we're 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 not about that. We're we're part of the fucking the new rabble rousing age. Well, we, were, <laughs> we were talking about Leo Curse earlier, right? And, yeah, yeah. And he's a guy that it would be good enough to break through that ceiling, but he's also a guy that does two hundred gigs a year and loves what he's doing and can say what he wants. Yep. So why would he change that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why? Why change that shit? You know, it. I see. I, I, see, I, see, I seen Leo at um, my friend had a gong show at the Old Toll um, two years ago, and there was an act who's in his mid twenties, so he's you know he's 
big big on being woke. <laughs> like, and he uh, was sitting, he was sitting beside me, and he was fuck it, he was he was trying not to laugh. He was trying to skill instead of laugh, but his his face was like. And I was like, look, man, just fucking laugh. You know you want to, just do it. I love seeing a comedian sitting there, like, you know, purposefully being offended at someone. You're just like, get the fuck, you dick. You know? <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve Hughes says that, um, you know, if you're offended, nothing happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't go to church as a, you don't go to a comedy gig as a Christian and a Christian set and, and a, the comedian tells a joke about a Christian and the next morning you wake up with leprosy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nothing happens. Offences, you know, it's subjective. What I put, the line for me is different to the line for you. So get a grip. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And just accept, don't watch it. Move on. Turn the channel over. You know, there's, don't try and stop me. Yeah. Totally, man. It's, I mean, for me, it's, it's as long as you're, it's not punching down, as long as it's not hateful and making a, a deliberate hateful target of someone, then everything should be fair game. Everything yeah. should be open to question, you know? I think it's about the target. You know what I mean? The subject is irrelevant. You can joke about, and I, I, I tell jokes from, you know, I tell jokes that cover things like abortion and I tell jokes that cover more fun stuff. But it there's a... There's a line, isn't there? And, and and what's good for me, you might not like. Yeah. And I think that the, the idea that, for me, comedy is the last place in society where we can, we can still say what we want. And I think we have a responsibility to do that. I really do, Jimmy. I think yeah. as comedians, we have a responsibility to say it how it is and protect the right to, to mm. you know, as Voltaire said, I might not agree with what you have to say but i'll fight to your right to the death for your right to say said thing yeah. you know and, and we will not be silenced yeah but it's i mean it's it's, it's that getting to the truth i think you know and i mean I, I have i have to admit using comedy as therapy you know yeah and it's, it's weird because when you first start i mean i absolutely smashed my first gig and i just thought it was just going to go from there but what real but what i really done i didn't so much smash the gig is catch the bug yeah you know yeah like because and it, it you know for months i was going about and i was worried about you know like infinitesimal little bits of my fucking set and yeah. thinking oh no I, I accidentally changed the word here and do you think they noticed and i'm like yeah. jimmy nobody fucking cares <laughs> do you know what I mean? but i'm like I'm, I'm sitting there as if i was giving yeah. fucking giving a speech to five hundred thousand people and it was you know potentially might change the world like it was bill and ted or some shit <laughs> I think I think when you start as well, you have to find your voice. And I'm, you know, as I say, I'm quite new to performing comedy. I'm not new to performing, but performing comedy. And I've, the last couple of gigs I've done, and they've been to quite good audiences. I've just, you feel your voice coming. There's a point yeah. in your development at the beginning where you find your voice. And I know it sounds corny, um, but you don't when you do those first 25 gigs. Yeah. First 30 gigs, which I've managed to do because of Zoom, you know, you just, there's a, there comes a point when you deliver a set and you come up and you think, yeah, that was it. That was nice. It, ha it happened for me. Um, when I, I'd done a, a run of gigs. I'd done a, a run of pretty poorly attended gigs as well for the first few months. 
And then I know I done a gig at Wild Cabaret in January, um, three months after I started. And it was it wasn't just actually feeling my voice coming out and doing really well at that gig. It was for Janie Godley and um, a couple other pr pretty good acts were on that night as well. It was the difference yeah. between the way the other people in the lineup acted before the gig and then the difference after I'd been on stage. Yeah. And they, they didn't like, you know, fucking invite me around to their house for dinner and all that and be, become my best mates or anything like that. But there was a tangible difference in the level of respect they had for me from just being an open spot standing at the bar yeah. to somebody that had just fucking smashed it, you know? And I was like, I should be here. I, this, this, yeah. this is right, you know? Yeah, I think that's what I said to my missus the other day, right? Because I've got several neurological conditions. I've got ADHD, dyspraxia, and a couple of others tacked on for good measure. And for the first time in my life since we started the comedy and mixing, I think I feel like I've found my people. See, I had a joke about that at the start, and it's it got I've me in a really bit of trouble. Feel... I, had, I had a joke about that as well. With comedy, I feel like I finally found my tribe, but that didn't really yeah. work out. But that that really didn't work out too well for Captain Cook. Do you know what? It was a good prediction because I've had a lot of fucking bullshit happen in comedy. Yeah. But I've always had my talent, and that's the one thing that's got me into the most trouble with the biggest assholes. So, you know, yeah. fuck them, I'm going to keep going. I think, yeah, and I think there's also a, a bunch of comics that are just below the, the sort of upper echelons that have realised during COVID that the industry doesn't really love you back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think what we've realised is people like myself and other comics that I know, we're going to start renting halls and putting gigs on, selling mm. tickets, splitting the door. Do you know what I mean? Because the, why not? The, the promoters haven't, you know, they've given, even the promoters that have done online stuff, They've given the paid sets to the same 10 comics. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's the same there, there is an argument to be made for the, the, the pros deserve it, like because they, they've lost so much income. But there, there was also, there was a simultaneous thing happening at the start of comedy, I noticed, where the, 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 the entire circuit was complaining that, that, that it was being forgotten about by the government. But yeah. then... The, the pro circuit was still fucking looking down in the open spot scene. So I was thinking, as above, so below. Change your attitude for who you look down on and who, who's above you might fucking yeah. treat you better. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like there, there was a lack of cohesiveness and respect for the entire scene. It's like all, all these little groups and factions and things like that in comedy, whether it's pro or open spot or whether it's anything, nobody's got enough respect for the thing in its entirety. Yeah. yeah. And that, 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 include, that includes getting people that you don't necessarily think are funny, but you know are good at their job on your head, your, on your mm. on your lineup. It includes un understanding where people are coming from and things like that, that people, it, it may be getting better, but I, I still think there's a, there's a big problem with how we actually see each other as comedians. Yeah, I think that's what we've tried to do at Sounds Proper is we've tried to create an environment. We open the room up 45 minutes before the gig so the comics can kind of have a chat and talk and have a bit of a natter with each other. We yeah. open the chat group a week before and trying to try and to kind of encourage people to get to know each other a little bit better. Um, and again, accepting it's not the same as all being in a green room at a, at a venue. I think diversity and stuff is, I mean, you only have to look at our bills. We regularly have bills yeah. with, with more female comics than men. And it's not by design. It's, it, it's just, just the way we do it. We, you know, I think comedy venues aren't always aren't always very comfortable environments for certain mm. sectors of the community, I think is a problem. That's something yeah. we need to address. That absolutely has to be addressed. You know, yeah. absolutely has to be addressed. My, my, my friend Ruth Hunter, 
um, yeah. started up Good Night Out campaign and it gathered a bit of momentum, but it seemed to lose a bit of momentum. And I, I mean, I've I, I seen some interference that, yeah. seemed, that, that seemed to be tied into that lo 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 loss of momentum. But what she was basically doing was, was starting up a workshop and training course for people coming in the door and for people who have been comedians for a long time is a training program for what is acceptable and what is not acceptable on the scene. Yeah. And I don't see what was wrong with that because if people know what they can and can't do and what's unacceptable and what is, what, what is acceptable, then no one has an excuse for misbehaving. Yeah. I think there can be an underscene though. I think there's, a, you know, there's comics that are really talented that if you went, if you went to a town near you that's perhaps not got a comedy club, and you went, right, three of my mates, come on, we'll we'll put a gig on there, we'll publicise it ourselves, and we'll just pocket the ticket money. I think, because that's what musicians did, that's what we did after the smoking ban. Pubs put free music on. So it got in, it got difficult to sell tickets for gigs yeah. in pubs. Do you know what I mean? So what we started doing was renting rooms, and two or three bands would take the risk on a room, and we'd sell the tickets ourselves, and... I think there's there's a market for the comics to be doing doing that as well. I think why not just go and rent a room and put a gig on? Yep. Do you know what I mean? It, it's as simple as that. If there's a play, if you've got a place you can do it, go and do it. Yeah, but I think I think there's there's, there's definitely going to be a, a huge appetite for comedy once this current climate is out of the way, all COVID and things like that is just gone. You know, it's it'd be nice to not. Have but, to, it'd be nice to put the COVID jokes to bed. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, that's, that's one of my jokes just now. It's like people say you shouldn't talk about COVID, but it's been a global pandemic we've all been through, not fucking fight club. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it, if, if, if there's ever been a relatable, a universally relatable situation, it's been this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. It's just not funny anymore. I think that's my problem. I feel the same way about COVID now that I did about Trump after about two years. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just not funny anymore. It's, 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 you know, although I do love my joke about fucking preferring to take the vaccine because it's got an easy applicator door handle. <laughs> I thought of a joke the other day. I got, I got my vaccine the other day and I was like, well, I mean, Bill, Bill Gates has been complaining in my ear all day. I wouldn't mind, but all he's doing is bitching about Melinda. Like, and I could only <laughs> use it in that day. You know, I mean, it's a one day joke. Pure raging. Yeah. I had my <laughs> one day joke. I did, um, I did Anna Little's gig. Oh, yeah, yeah. Friends you know, are you. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And, and a fucking arsehole comic stood up, come on first, and told a load of Prince Philip jokes. And after he told them, he <laughs> went, that's it, I've ruined everybody else's set now. Do you know what I mean? I was, oh, was quite gleeful about it, the dick. So I, and nobody else touched Prince Philip after that, and I wrote one while I was sat there. And I'm like, <laughs> we should, we should, I'm like so I come on stage and I'm like, we should have a minute silence. Do you know what I mean? But not for Philip, do you know what I mean? For the death of the truth about Diana. <laughs> so when you said nobody touched Prince Philip there, I was going to say, hopefully Face they it, could say, the, if, if, they could if, say if, the same for Prince Andrew. Yeah, if, well, if she was assassinated by the royal family, only Philip knew about it, I'm telling you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Only he would have known. No one else. Yeah, man. You know, but um, yeah. I'm sure we've just committed slander, but oh well. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it counts against the dead, but I don't know. I don't, know. I don't um, care, man. <laughs> he's, he's it was, I was, I was quite strange to see the the, the way the world the, the world shut down for Prince Philip, man. I was like, yeah, but I mean, come on. 
Like, it was considering... A, a, nobody cares about the monarchy. B, was an old prick. Like, C, yeah, it's a shame. No, that for the Queen, but, you know, go, go on, let us watch my, my soaps. <laughs> well, and we had to contact Guinness, World Book of Records, because he was, he, was, he was registered as Britain's oldest racist, wasn't he? <laughs> was, like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, like, if you lived to 120, I'm, I'm sure you could, like, I'm sure you could remember a time when things weren't quite so liberal. <laughs> yeah. Ramesh Ranganathan does a joke about that, you know. He says that he's, you know, with old people, they've lived through a war and they, well, you know, I mean, and, and he's happy to forgive them the sort of casual racism because he knows they don't yeah. really mean it. It's just yeah. of an age. And he goes as far as to say he's happy to throw in a little head wobble if necessary. You know <laughs> what I mean? It just... And I think he's right. I, I think there comes an age in, there comes a point in your life where you kind of lose touch. Like, I mean, I'm yeah. there now, I'm 42. And this woke, as... this, this woke and cancel culture, man, has got me baffled and terrified. But it's, it's, it's kind of, that's, that's kind of a social media construct as well. But it's what you were saying there about, it reminds me of the Grandpa Simpson line about, I used to be with it, but then it changed what it was. And now what it seems weird and scary to me. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I just I fucking think of that line all the time, man, because you, you, yeah. you do go, I, I was with it, it, it was the 90s, I, I was a DJ, I used to rave, like, to, to yeah. drugs and shit, man, and now I'm like, this old guy that fucking stands on stage and punches himself, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, me too, man. <laughs> like, where you come from? Like, I couldn't describe, I'm the same, I couldn't <laughs> describe what I did as raving, I took drugs and there was music, yeah. you know what I mean? But, you know, and then, yeah, now, now I'm this fucking old geezer with grey hair, um, that takes delight in grabbing a microphone and shouting at people. <laughs> you know. So, and I think you were saying as well, like, about it's an older generation and things. Is is Frankie Boyle's joke? Yeah, I, I don't know if I ever done it on stage. I think I read it last year, and it was like the problem with people in Britain is that everybody over sixty thinks they somehow fought in World War Two. <laughs> I've always said, right, that that it will civilization when. The, um, the the final veterans have, have passed because I think we can put to bed something that happens every November. There's this furore that, you know, I mean, the poppy means we beat Germany and it doesn't really mean that. And it was never really meant to mean that. It was more meant as a kind of symbol to stop us going back to the situation. And I think there's definitely, a, we need to look at the way we remember stuff, I think, definitely. And, and yeah. you know, but you can't do it while everybody, while anybody's still alive. That would be disrespectful and wrong. But well, I mean, so. it's, it's, there's a lot of things in like society and things. It's like it wasn't just like one day in the seventies, everybody was racist and and misogynist, and it was a horrible culture. And then the next day, something changed, and everybody was completely different. These things are gradual, you know. It's attitude yeah. shifts and. And I, I move towards fairness and equality. Yeah. Takes time. And that, that means that anybody who's still negative needs to be given a bit of time to get on board. You know? And I, well, I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? We think <coughs> we think we're there. And although we've come a long way, and we have come a long way, you know, you only have to look at something like line of duty. For me, I looked at line of duty as a writer. Yeah. And there aren't you know, the main characters, they're all white faces. 
whenever you see a black face, it's somebody that's being investigated by the white faces. Even Luther, right, which was a, a drama that was fronted by a black actor, he wasn't a nice, friendly, whiter-than-white hero, was he? No. He was a tortured, tortured sure. hero, do you know what I mean? And, and so we might think we're there, but we're not, you know, and we should never stop. Yeah. trying to get there. I think I think I think the wire should be taught in, in any kind of writing course for how you should approach different cultures sexualities genders yeah. and societies and just uh, just because everybody's actions in that show not nobody is dictated by their background yeah people act exactly as people what David Simon and his team had it fucking on point for how people actually genuinely are yeah and it, it's it's it, to be honest with you, it's, it was such an exciting development. It's a shame it hasn't fully infiltrated the culture in ways you may expect, even though it's a massive show. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, I'm a bit more cynical. I've always been of the belief that your general population is your, is your Jeremy Kyle audience. That's what you've got to yeah. compete with. You know, your average person, unfortunately, if you want a demograph of what your average British person is, you just watch the Jeremy Kyle show. Because unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's the reality um, in, the, in the same token, though, like I mean, a lot of those people were they, they, they were they were leading sort of deprived and, and desperate lives, and that was milked to the absolute fucking maximum for a for a modern era Victorian freak show thing. Yeah, you know, and and and, and time has shown that it was it was a disgusting <coughs> fucking era on television. Oh, it was a horrible thing, man. The best thing that for me, you know, I've got friends that were gutted it actually finished and. For me, it was always a ticking time bomb. Someone was yeah. always going to get hurt. But um, yeah, over over time, like I seen it occasionally, and I actually got I actually developed a wee period where like I get quite obsessed with it because I was I was actually watching what was happening with, with Jeremy Kyle specifically. It and, sucked you in. Uh, no, but he he was getting influenced by his guests. He was getting more and more cocky and sitting in his stage with his legs spread, going, "Yeah, fucking you, better shut up." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what are you saying? You know you were out drinking last night, you bastard. <laughs> like, Jeremy, man, you went to university, you fucking... You know I mean? then, you, you earn 300,000 a year and you're sitting there talking like you're in the local pub. Like, come on, and man. Then, then it comes out that he's a bit of a gambler and yeah, not the like, perfect yeah. father, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and you, you <laughs> think, you prick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he fell you into know, his I own creation. <laughs> You know, it's it's a, it's indicative of the modern media. Do you know what I mean? It's all, yeah. you know, think you know, um, reality TV, that kind of but stuff. But that 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 kind of mass, um, that kind of mass, rabid carnival atmosphere when, whenever anybody fucks up, didn't dissipate with that show. It's it's on social media. Yeah. No, it's, it's 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 there every time anybody's up there to be judged. Everybody's yeah. fucking out out with a popcorn and fucking going, yeah, that motherfucker. Let's see what's happening to him. And like, you know, we're we're really making commodities of ourselves that it's not really healthy. You know. I mean, like, I do a joke about that fact that during lockdown, I tried to find the worst TV ever made, and you know, there's a lot. There's been a lot of pretty shitty television <laughs> over the years. You know. And I talk about Honey Boo Boo. Do you know the show? It's an American. Yeah, I remember, I remember vaguely Honey Boo Boo. Yeah, I, I... yeah, and it's a show that would, if it didn't exist, America would have another family on welfare. Do you know what I mean? It's as simple yeah. as that. And there's the, all sorts of shows. The one that is my biggest bugbear is 16 and Pregnant. 
um, you know, where you've got people with their 16-year-old pregnant children and you, they're portraying them all over television like it's some kind of success story. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but it's not a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, I think the reality, it's just trading on misery. It's schadenfreude in action. You know oh, I mean? absolutely. It, Completely. You know, it, it's, it's it, in no uncertain terms, it's the suffering that is is what people are enjoying. I know. And 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 the the suffering by osmosis, you know, and, yeah. and getting not only that, actually getting to sam sample the suffering, but getting to judge on the yeah. side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that goggle box gets me. I and I hate. I do. Show. I love goggle box. I do love if goggle it, box. If it's on, I'm sucked into it. <laughs> Even though I hate it. No, but the, the, the beauty of goggle box though is it, it's 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 real reactions to things that we all see so like you, you end up watching something that you watched and you, you see different families across britain different yeah. reactions to it and it's it, there's actually something quite beautiful about gogglebox i'm not a fan i just imagine if you were um, there's a comedian that does a joke very similar i can't remember who it was but imagine if you've gone to all these tr trouble and make your viewer than the viewing figures that what people watching it on gogglebox <laughs> do you know? Do you know? What I want to see. I want to see Gogglebox watching Gogglebox. <laughs> Honestly, I would watch that show. <laughs> For the tape, I've got my head in my hands. <laughs> Man, I don't. I, I really don't have much truck with reality TV at all. But I, I love Gogglebox. Man, they've got Sean Ray done best. Come on, the fuck, man. <laughs> They're amazing. It's not, there was one last year where it was like it was Olivia Coleman and it was like I've seen her naked <laughs> and Bess was like what was that like and it was like alright <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah no, no I, I wouldn't hear a word against Gogglebox I get your point about reality TV in general but Gogglebox is where I'd probably. Yeah, I I hate it because it sucks me in, man. That's my biggest grievance with it is that. I've but that, that basically what you're saying is that you hate it because you secretly love it, and you so don't want no. to. It sucks me in. It's like crack. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, so what actually have you been watching in lockdown? Have you found any good TV shows? Um. Well, I. I I'm not a massive TV watcher, to be honest. I'll, I, I, I've just been, I've been watching Line of Duty from the beginning. Um, so I'm on season five. So I don't, I don't know what's happened at cool. the end yet. I'm trying. So to I tell you who it is. No, not <laughs> man. Um, but no, I've, I've, I'm not a massive TV watcher, man. I prefer to. Yeah, I prefer to do a bit of writing or a bit of music or something like that, you know. Um, I'm not a massive TV fan. Although I love British 80s cult comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a massive, I watch, you know, Blackadder and Red Dwarf all the time. You know what I mean? Just, I can't get enough of it. Yes, Minister, which I was watching yesterday, actually. Just, I love that sort of, I think that was the age of good TV comedy. Yeah, man. Yeah. What a really I good think, stuff, isn't it? I think the, the Yes, Minister, the script writers, deserve applauding for some of that stuff yeah um, well, I, I've, I've been watching like I've been watching loads of different stuff but I've not really been paying attention to much of it at all man like like you're saying I think my, but the, where my fire is just now it's in creative stuff it's in my photographs yeah. it's in this podcast it's in doing working towards certain comedy things and stuff but I've, I've, I've really cut right down in the gigs because I, I just 
I just didn't have the headspace for doing gigs every night. Yeah, I'm doing one next Monday. I'm doing um, Inspired to Laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Mark McKenzie. I've done that. Mark yeah, yeah. And, I was on the first Penny, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, so I, I, yeah, I, I'm quite looking forward to that. But yeah, we've not got two. That's next Monday. So mm. that's. Yeah. I'll need to get Mark on, actually. I think Mark, Mark's one of the a few friends I haven't actually had on the show. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know him very well. I've, I've yeah. been to his gig a couple of times because there's a nice group of us forming around Sounds yeah. Proper. And if someone's playing and we're not doing anything, you go along and much give yeah. a bit of support. Yeah, but I'm mm. looking forward to doing that show because there's some good guys on it. Julian Lee's doing it, and I love. Julian. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think he's really funny, man. Mm. Um, yeah, I, you know, and there's a few other guys. Um, so yeah, that's a good show. But I'm not doing as much. No, I'd really like. I'm really looking at getting some live live gigs booked. Yeah, and getting on stage because I'd really quite like to. Um, but I think mics. You've got Procom. It's taking all the mic spots at the moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of to be expected. But I, I think, um, like you were saying, there's there's, there's going to be a a shift and things as things move forward, you know, and I, th I, th I think a lot of the pro comics that, that because there was still a couple of pro comics that completely turned their nose up at Zoom, they're going to find themselves very rusty. That's the big thing, and, and uh, you know, and there's other comics that I'm not going to mention that have also conducted themselves terribly on Zoom, and they think it's not going to affect them in the real world. Yeah. That, that's the other thing, isn't it? If, if, you know, I'm always consciously aware of what I'm doing on any public Zoom thing, because... I know that shit's YouTubeable. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And all it takes is one slip up and you 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 your reputation's torched, isn't it? Right. So are you talking about anyone particular there? Or? No, 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 I'm saying that we've there's nothing, no one particular, no one that I'm prepared to name personally. Right. But I've seen comics that 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 their attitude to Zoom is 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 and they've they've said things that you know they wouldn't have said in real life. Right. You know what I mean, and I think I think we we there's there's a bit of a disconnect because it's not been Zoom and live. There's a disconnect between the two, and I think we kind of you know. So I'm very aware that what we do on Zoom now will affect us in the real world because we're building a good reputation. Yeah. But conversely, the opposite could be could be said. Like what? Well, what do you mean, like what? Well, I'm not sure what you mean, like the opposite. Well, you could you could you could do things on Zoom that could very much affect you in the real world, is my point. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not quite following, no, like, how, how, could you, how could you fuck up your career on Zoom? Like, well, it depends who's recording, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, all these Zoom shows are recorded, you know what I mean? So, they're, they're, you know, there's a record of anything, isn't there? I think you, we just, you just, I think I'm very aware that what happens in the real world can be affected by what happens on the internet. And I don't think some people are. They've not quite woke up to that yet. Right. I think the point I'm rambling and, and <laughs> trying to make is that we should just conduct ourselves in a way online that we conduct ourselves in an in a, in a club. I think part of the part of the thing there is the, the, the different cultures as well though. Like uh, there's a lot of things I see in different countries makes that you would you would kind of judge on a on a home basis, but every everywhere's different. You know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff in America that I'm like, holy shit, you you could never see that here. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. They they're appalled if I use the c word. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? It, 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 and I don't use it often. I use it for effect once or twice every now and again. <laughs> but they're appalled. You know, the, <laughs> you can see the genuine appalledness on the um, on the faces of the audience, um, and half of them switch off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had, I had a kind of nine eleven joke. Um, I think I've spoken about this in the show a couple of times, but like it's about I don't, I'm old enough to remember jokes about the planes in nine eleven, and none of them landed. <laughs> Which technically isn't me laughing at. I mean, I'm not laughing at it anyway, but it isn't, isn't me yeah. laughing at the 9-11. It's just literally saying the planes never landed, which they didn't. Yeah. And it's also I'm a right. reference to jokes not landing, but I'd done that at a New York gig, and I've done seven gigs in that, so I actually forgot the connection, 9-11 New York. <laughs> and it was only a couple of days later when I was like, nobody laughed at a 9-11 joke. And my girlfriend's like, yeah, because it was in New York. I mean, you're a fucking idiot. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of the old joke about um, them having to release Fred West, you know, because they realised he'd bought Topsoil from Lockerbie. <laughs> oh, I never man. took that out. I never <laughs> took that out on stage. I thought it was a bit too far. <laughs> I love that joke, though, but it's, it's probably my favourite joke that I've never used. <laughs> it's funny, serial killers and things, man. I, I, yeah. I, start, I started doing a podcast um, for um, Binge on This. It was me and a team. And we were getting different killers every week, like, and, and just trying to not necessarily make jokes about it, but talk about it in a humorous way. And yeah, it's, it's okay to reference serial killers in a joke, but when you actually sit there for an hour discussing somebody's crimes, start trying to be funny, it's fucking harrowing. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I, I only managed like about five or six episodes and I had to bail, man. I was like, listen, guys, love what you're doing. Thanks for the opportunity. I cannot do this. <laughs> you know? And I learned a lot about myself in that, you know? Yeah. I want always wanted to do a po- podcast called Can't Do Small Talk. Do you know what I mean? Because I just, I just, <laughs> I, I, my problem is I can't talk about the little things. I, you know, I'm quite happy to talk about the big things, but the mundane just bores me to tears. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't do, I don't do small talk. <laughs> Actually, man, I'm, I'm thinking about, because I'm coming to the end of season two of um, lockdown. And actually yeah. in season two, I've had a few Glasgow guests on. And I'm really enjoying talking to people from Glasgow. But I realise I can't I can't fill a podcast that's been advertised as a international comedy thing with mm. local guests all the time. So I'm going to do another podcast where I'm just talking to people from Glasgow and do all sorts of different things. We've got loads of friends in different industries in Glasgow. And um, I don't know what to call it. But I, I was thinking I might actually call it Rinky Dink as fuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about editing. I, I don't, literally don't have a theme tune, as you've heard. Yeah. And I just think Rinky Dink as fuck is kind of owning the fact that it's just literally just a recording that I put on the internet. And here yeah. you go, here's another chat, you know? <laughs> but but, I, but I, want, I, I, want, I don't know if I can still use my Namana as the opening theme. Because... <laughs> I don't know if you can anyway. I don't know if I don't know if it's actually I don't know if we're actually allowed to or not. Well, I mean, well nobody stopped me yet. <laughs> we're producing a podcast at the moment called A Spoonful of Sugar. Yeah. And I, obviously I'm having wrangling issues with using the tune theme tune, you know, the Mary Poppins tune. Um and we've had another artist record it for us and everything. Um but copyright stuff's a nightmare, man. I read into oh, that shit. It's man. not funny. My, my, no my, jokes my. there. 
my friend Rob Crosby has been on the show, man. He, he, he had a video he put out last night, and he was like, the, the video opens with him, like, he's phoning his, his daughter's friend's dad, and she's like, hey, is it okay if Kelly stays for dinner? And it cuts to Liam Neeson, and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I have a very particular skill set. And he's like, I know you do, you work in Royal Bank of Scotland, but he's like, I will find you. And he's like, I know, man, you were here for Hogmanay, what the fuck? And he's like, I will find you and I will kill you. And he's like, Kelly, you're not staying for dinner. Uh, you know, do you know that only lasted like two minutes on the internet before it got taken down because really? of copyright? Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's one of the funniest par- parody videos I've ever seen. I mean, yeah, but it, it just couldn't, it just couldn't get 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 it online. It's a nightmare. We find we we produced a sketch that's it's set on a it's a reporter interviewing a doctor. So we 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 had to be so careful even picking the background because we we inadvertently on the first recording picked up a background that was used by an African news network. So then we had to take it out, re-record it, use a different... It was just, you've got to be so careful. Mm-hmm. And I think also, just as a bit of advice to anybody that's doing a podcast or anything, big companies are quite happily happy to sit and wait till you're big enough that they can take you to the cleaners. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They're, that would be my advice to anyone that's using an unlicensed bit of music. Not I'm you, actually. I, I, I mean. I'm going to be honest here. I'm looking forward to that in court playing all the different versions of Manamana. That, 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 that will make my fucking year. That'll be like a two-hour show of material. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen quite a lot of people get threatened to get litigious in comedy on, on social media, and it always fucking tickles me, man. Somebody was threatening to take somebody to court because they said they like Diego Maradona or some shit recently. <laughs> Do you know I've got a bit because I'm writing... <laughs> I'm writing all these little bits, but ultimately it's for a one-hour show. And we're all preparing to try and get to that one-hour show, aren't we? And there's a bit that I do right at the beginning that says, that I, I, I say that words aren't infinite, you know what I mean? There's only so many ways of saying anything. So, you know, I can assure you my jokes are mine, but what I can't guarantee you is that I'll be using language that you've never heard before. Do you know what I mean? So just give me the benefit of the doubt. Do you know what I mean? Because this has been 20 odd years in the writing and, <laughs> and you know, we're all just a, a, a combination of what we've read and what we've listened to and what we know anyway. See, I, I get accused of being a, a joke thief, like for fucking mentioning one element that some guy brought up in this city fucking six years ago or something. And apparently he's quite famous for mentioning this one thing. They had nothing to do with the punchline of my joke anyway. And I really genuinely wanted to send them a big fucking Facebook message. Like, do you think that I lived 44 years? <laughs> became a junkie, fucking went to jail, became a DJ, fucking ended up eight years as a carer for my mum, went mad in Tinder for a year. Also, I could steal your fucking joke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't stole a joke off anyone. Everything I write, I write myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if it bears some resemblance to something that someone else has said, then either 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 that means I'm right and so are they, or it's just a coincidence. You know what I mean? Words aren't finite. There's not, you know, there's not. I mean, if you, you can tip your hat to a comic as well. I think if you mention, oh, this comic said that and then develop on it. You can do that. A lot of comics do that with Eddie Izzard jokes. I've actually I've done that. I actually mentioned that. They'll say that. Eddie Izzard I, said this and then develop. Well, it's funny you should say that because I actually brought it up when this act was the MC at the So You Think You're Funny. <laughs> he, 
I brought it up. I brought it up on stage when the act was the MC. And how do you think that went down? <laughs> I'll give you, know, you a I mean, clue. I didn't yeah. go through for so you think you're funny. <laughs> I just I, looked at my material. But my material, I'm not still. I'm not worried about people stealing my material because it's only yeah. funny because of the way I tell it. Simple yeah. as that. What the words I write, you, you, you. If you're not a performance comic, if you're just a straight up stand up talking comic, you couldn't make my material funny. Yeah. Do you know that's, what I mean? That's, that's, that gets like back the, to the heart of what we're talking about about how being as personal as you can be, then it can't be, it can't be stolen because it's your yeah. life experience. You know, you try and steal my material, man. Do you know what I mean? I dare someone. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it's it's personal to me. It's it's about my shit. It's about the way I look at stuff. Do you know mm. what I mean? It doesn't mean somebody else has not looked at stuff the same way. Occasionally, you write a joke and a famous comic gets there first and it ruins a joke. Yeah. So Trevor Noah did it to me last year. I wrote a joke about um, a couple of years ago. Well, I wrote a joke. Let's be realistic. He didn't do it to you. He done it at the same yeah, time. Yeah. I wrote a joke. Well, he wasn't about... sitting over there in Hollywood going, "Damn, fucking can't wait yeah, to keep calling it just this punch." Yeah. <laughs> but he does a joke about the the pussy and the implication of pussy being weak, and that a whole human being comes out of the pussy and it continues to work as intended, and makes a whole deal about. <laughs> how it's the strongest thing known to man and that actually it should be don't be a prick not don't be a pussy because you only <laughs> have to sit on a prick ro wrong the wrong way and it breaks doesn't it you know so it's that but he See, that's, killed that's, that's that's the american experience rubbing off you you didn't use the c-word <laughs> yeah but virtually word for word i've written i've got the same joke and i've squared it in one of my books now even yeah. now it's there virtually word for word just well that's fucking dead isn't it <laughs> um you know, so I think you. I think you in that scenario, I could use the punchline still as long as it was quick. Yeah. As long as it was. But yeah, sometimes. But it's not very often that will happen that a yeah. comic will write a joke at exactly the same time as you, and it will kill a bit of material. Yeah. Because we're well, all I mean, different. over lockdown. It was. I, I was going every time I thought of a joke. I thought somebody else is going to have to. I thought about this. You know. Yeah, and that that Fight Club joke as well. Like, I mean, I've I've had a Fight Club joke for ages, and it was always like I've never played by the rules. That's what got me kicked out of Fight Club, and I was convinced somebody must have done that in the past, you know. Yeah. But I, I've never heard them, so and now yeah. I've got to, now now I've got a wee Fight Club bit, so I'm quite happy. Yeah. 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 I've really yeah no it lockdown's been all right. It's not been all bad. Yeah. Man. I'm feeling a little bit mentally jaded, as I'm sure everybody is. Oh fuck yeah, man! Anxiety yeah. and the. And the and uh, just anxiety just now and just not knowing what's going to happen and yeah. and the, the feeling that there's a disconnect between where things were going and appear to be going now seems yeah. very big it, it's, it's it's like this time last month it was like everything might be coming back now everything is coming back and 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 it, there seems to be this sort of thought that covid won't be back and you're like wait a minute what the fuck you know like i'm hoping it'll be like a flu thing every year after this but, you know, you never mm. can tell, can you? Well, I hope I never get my arm full of microchips for nothing. <laughs> drive me nuts, man. <laughs> you know I mean? They drive me nuts. Because they're not theories, are they? Because a theory is an explanation based on all known facts and parameters. Yeah, man. Phenomena, right? What Dave down the pub watching too much YouTube and too much time on the dark web, that best he's had an idea. 
but most yeah. likely it's little more than a brain fart, my friend. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just, you know, just conspiracy theories. At best, they're alleged conspiratorial ideas. Yeah. But I think, I think, like, the, the, the biggest irony of it all is a lot of the conspiracy theories and things like that are allowed disinformation anyway. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's like if you actually had the answers and it was a big conspiracy theory and things like that, how long do you think you would still be breathing? <laughs> you know, if you had a suitcase full of proof of all these conspiracies, all it would get you is a bullet in the head. Like, so they might as well just shut the fuck up and I'll be talking about lizards again, you know? And I think for me, I know that bad shit's happening. Do you know what I mean? But I find it difficult to believe the conspiracy that there's a few men in control of everything. Because if you look out into the world, man, it's careering like an out-of-control train. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no planet play out there. Um, even, even though it's all rooted in paranoia as well, it's, it's a willingness to want to believe that even if they're evil and, and, and they're, they've got it in for us and things like that, somebody is guiding the ship. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's, I, it, I don't it's think a there strange is. Not, area. I'm not sure there is anyone guiding the ship. It no. feels pretty out of control to me. Exactly, man. Yeah. It's, it, there's a kind of safety in the conspiracy theorists, that, that, even though they, they, they claim that they hate it and stuff like that. It's just, it's better than what you're talking about, which is unbridled fucking chaos. Yeah, it's you know? preferable almost. Yeah. To the truth. Yeah. yeah. You know, And I think I make a point in one of my jokes, Jimmy, that conspiracy theorists and comedians have got a lot in common. Because we, we both take a tiny, tiny, minuscule bit of truth and embellish it for effect. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, yeah. it, you know, it, it's we. The difference is, I'm not conducting a TED talk. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm full of shit. I'm a comedian. I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Remember that next time you do a set then? <laughs> do you know what Sorry, I've never, Dave, I've never seen you do a TED talk set. I'm only joking. Man. No, but Dave, down the pub, as I said, he, you know what I mean? He tries to pass his, his, his embellishment off as a, as a fact. Yeah. As, as truth, but as that's a, that's that, that, that's another that's another element of the conspiracy theorists as well. They want everybody to think that they are so fucking smart that they've seen this, this that they've seen the inner workings of this puzzle that we just yeah. can't grasp. And that's yeah. the worst bit. If you don't yeah. agree with them, why don't you agree with them? Because your eyes are shot. What yeah, she? Yeah, like, she yeah, yeah, yeah. Your eyes are shot. You'll be your eyes will be shot when I knock you the fuck out. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Fucking, okay. you yeah. know, just. It makes me mad. Do you know what I mean? Somebody said to me the other day, they said um, they were, I sat and listened to him for 10 minutes and I got to the point where I was ready for losing my shit and he dragged me in. He <laughs> caught me with something that dragged me in and he's gone, Elon Musk's an android. I've gone, what do you mean he's an android? He's gone, <laughs> he's gone check his shoes, man. I'm like, what so? What so? Robots don't wear Adidas, what? Do you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, that's where they keep the wiring. Now, Elon Musk is a tech billionaire. There are lots of conspiracy theories that I could at least give a bit of credence to as to why he's an android. He's certainly got access, money, and the brain power, but check his shoes, because that's where they keep the wiring. <laughs> really, Dave? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Not at all. <laughs> Just... Nice. All right, well, yeah, I was gonna say we, quickly, go on before we launch any more further into the realms of conspiracy theories and all of that. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about your charity gig on the 23rd? We have an awesome lineup of 
of comedians on the 23rd. It's we're working in conjunction with Laugh Able um, to put on an evening of comedy headlined by none other than TV TV's Rosie Jones. Yeah. Um, and it is an awesome lineup. It's got uh, Don Biz was on the bill as well, and Benny Shakes, Jalila Gilbraith, um, Donna Landy, all sorts of guys. Paisley Boyd, Stephen Youngson, Kate Lovelock, Alan Ashby, and a, a few others. Um, it's all in aid of the campaign against living miserably. Um, is it an, is it a charity you know, Mark, uh, Jimmy? Or no, I've seen it. In the, I've seen it in the advertised materials. Or... Well, they they run a 24-hour a day, 365-day-a-year suicide hotline. Cool. Um, and provide support for... They work a lot with projects with young men because young men are the danger groups, really, you know, for for suicide and stuff. Um, and Rosie Jones is their ambassador as well. Um, and, she recently headlined a lot of didn't she? Yeah, she did, yeah. yeah. And we're also... All the comedians are performing in pyjamas. Um... To, to show some kind of solidarity with people that have been discriminated against in the arts. So we've got a little bit of a, a, a double-pronged um, message from the evening. Help this, help this very worthy cause. Suicide rates have gone up by 35% over lockdown. Um, you know, and I think yeah. that it's a worthy cause. But you can find the, the event on Facebook. Um, check out Sounds Public Comedy on Facebook, Instagram, that kind of stuff. All the details are there and the ticket links and they're on Eventbrite. If you want to have a look at Eventbrite and put in Laugh Able and Sounds Proper Comedy, it'll come up, I'm sure. Cool. Well, that's a booking fee. And that's the 23rd of um, May. 23rd I, of May. I nearly said March, then April, and then now May. It's 23rd yeah. of May. That shows you how things are affecting us, man. But it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. No worries. Well, and um, hopefully you'll be back on and telling us how things went with your um, live shows and hopefully your hybrid live shows. That would be awesome, Jimmy. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Uh, all right, man. Cool. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye. Manamana. 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 Manamana.